Hello, folks. Welcome back to the Straightforward Farming Podcast. It's your host, Tony Reed, otherwise known as Growing Corn 2020 on TikTok. I'm here with Mr. Nick McCormick again. You can follow him on TikTok at nmccormick1466. So, Nick, what's new with you today? Oh, nothing too exciting. Just living the dream, bud. Yep. Looks like the old grain markets are... They've been up, down, sideways, every direction. Got a yeah. new administration change. Things yeah, are they had to, I suppose they had to take some profit and correct a little bit. Yeah, you got to admit things have been in an upward trajectory for quite a while now. So, you know, yeah. a little setback we can live with. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like a good buddy of mine always told me, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. And we're all guilty of, well, we sold some corn for under $4. So I really want over five dollars yep. to average it out, yep. and maybe that's going to work out. Maybe it's not. Yep, exactly. Maybe we should have sold already, but if we knew what we were yep. doing there, none of us would have to farm. We yep. just buy and sell paper, and that's, that seems to be the easier way to go. That's exactly right. Today, I want to talk on a few topics that are starting to be very hot trends in some of the local farm magazines. Um, we're starting into this carbon sequestration, you know, cap and trade, a new administration coming into the White House with uh, maybe a lot more environmental-friendly policies, if that's what you want to call that. I mean, that's the way they're leaning you, electric vehicles, Green New Deal, however you want to word that, Uh, cover crops, different stuff like that. So as we get started, um, I get a lot of questions on my TikTok just from random people throughout different conversations of, do I do cover crops? Um, No, I personally don't. Um, I'm not saying there's not a place for them. Because I think it's like anything, there might be, you know, for somebody. But for where I'm at, uh, there's guys that do it. Um, I don't know if they've had much success. I can't say they've been an absolute failure. I mean, driving by, looking from the road, some things have looked a little questionable, a little marginal. Um, I still can't get over the fact that for years, you know, we've no-tilled beans for years and years and years. And they always told us, spray your corn stalks in the fall. That way, when you started out in the spring, you had dirt that was yep. completely clean. It was warmer. It was drier, ready to go to town. Now, they're saying plant a cover crop. Well, now, how does that work? Because now you're covering the ground back up. So, you're telling me that it is not going to be warmer and drier because, I mean, weeds were doing the exact same thing a cover crop is doing, basically, right? I mean, they were growing in the soil, yeah. shading it. So, um, we currently do zero cover crops on our farm. And I just want everybody to know I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying the way that we farm and the way our ground lays, you know, it's somewhat wet, swampy ground to some degree anyway. And, you know, you always get the argument that, well, you know, the cover crops suck the water out of the ground too in the springtime. Well, that was always our theory on the weeds. And they said, well, no, you can't do that. you got to spray it in the fall. So then weeds ain't there and let the sun do all the work. So, what's some of your thoughts on cover crops? I'm not against them. They just don't work very well for what I'm trying to do. So, I think there's definitely a time and a place for them. Um, We do it on a small scale, certain spots here and there. Um, I don't know that anybody has it 100% figured out yet. Um, It's kind of like strip till or any other, we'll call them alternative methods to farming. There's... Some equipment costs to go into that to do right. it right. You can yep. do it halfway, yep. and but half, testing something halfway doesn't really work very well generally. Right. Um, so I think there's some costs that go into that, and some high intensity labor management that's going to have to go into it. You're going to have to change a few things here and there. Yep. Um, you know, there's some soil benefits. There's, 
you know, it's kind of becoming the new age of, of how you're told you should be doing it anyway, whether that's right or wrong. Right. Um, I think you'll see more of it come on as things change, you know, agronomically, um, government-wise, et cetera, et cetera. There's a place for them. I don't know that you're necessarily going to take John Doe farmer that farms a thousand acres and he doesn't do any cover crops now and he's going to blow in a thousand cover crop, a thousand acres of cover crops for next year. I think he's going to get a rude awakening on how that right. works out for him. Right. I think it's going to be small steps, baby steps. You right. know, we used to plow. Right. And I don't know anybody that plows now around exactly. here. So eventually it'll probably become a little more of the norm. But I think it's going to take a while to get there. Right. And one of my things is to, you know, and let's throw the soil health out the window because, uh, you know, that's, I'm not saying it doesn't help, but that's something you don't change overnight. You don't go from a soil reading and, you know, I'm not going to get into all the scientific stuff, you know, CECs, you know, whatever. We're going to throw that out the window. You just don't, you don't change soil overnight. You know, you don't have shitty soil one year, plant a cover crop next year, it's, it's good soil. It don't yeah. work that way. We're talking years and years and years, if not hundreds of years, yeah. to change some of these soil types. And, you know, some of these people get the cart ahead of the horse a little bit on some of this stuff. I can't get interested in cover crops due to the cost. I mean, you know, you're it's looking expensive. at 30 to 50 bucks an acre. Yeah just to see the cover crop that you're going to turn around and spray and kill on purpose. Exactly. You know, and I can run a chisel plow for 14 bucks an acre and be ready to go. Or a disc ripper, depending on where you're at. Well, exactly. Yeah. You know, we can go either way on that. (laughs) But yeah, you know what I mean? So the cost alone has turned me away. And now, you know, they're talking about carbon credits, cap and trade, getting into some of this stuff that I'm scared to death. This is going to turn into, the big power players in this country, your Fords, your GMs, you know, these corporate companies that are, you know, worth hundreds of billions of dollars that are going to be paying farmers to farm a certain way due to cap and trade. And for those of you who are not familiar with that, basically, if they put a cap on your carbon emissions for the year, so let's just take Ford Motor Company, and God only knows how much pollution they cause in a year, you know, I, I don't know. No. We're not going to get technical on this program. But nonetheless, they're saying, okay... If Ford was producing, let's just say, 500,000 tons of CO2, and who fucking knows, and that's what they're producing, but the government caps them at 300,000, then Ford has to find a way to offset the other 200,000. So they would come to a farmer and say, okay, if you no-till your crops, you're, you're reducing fuel usage, you're capturing all this carbon in the soil, these you know different scenarios here then we will pay you as a farmer we'll pay you 20 bucks an acre to do that and that's basically offsetting their carbon usage and i'm scared to death that the big power players in this country are going to be able to dictate how we farm because yeah for sure i I mean ultimately i guess you don't have to take the money maybe i mean at this point you don't you may have to in the future i mean you may force to it so you may not get to farm the way you necessarily want to, but they may wave enough money in front of you that you have to. I I, I don't know. I mean, what's it, your thoughts? It could go a number of ways. You know, I'm not an expert on, on this by any means, but, you know, my theory on anything when it comes to mandated change is if it was that great, the free market will take care of that. Exactly. A free market will equal out, you know, right. how it needs to equal out. Right. So if cover crops are more efficient... In the long run, right. you know, reduce fertilizer, better soil health, et cetera, et cetera. It'll take care of itself. Right. You you might have to subsidize it for a little bit to get it rolling, but eventually right. that snowball grows and it rolls downhill. Right. 
Yeah, but that's not necessarily the way the government always works. Right. So Exactly. And we've seen that, whether it's windmills, solar panels, whatever, yeah. some of that. If it's growing as fast as they say it is, well, then why are we still subsidizing a lot of this stuff? You know, yeah. it, it don't make no sense. And, uh, you know, you can have your own thoughts on some of that stuff. I'll have mine. You have yours. But, yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm hoping this doesn't turn into a giant cluster like it always does when you start mandating yep. and subsidizing it can get out of hand in a hurry and have some very unintended consequences that well, none of us want. Let's face it. At the end of the day, the the farm lobby, the Midwestern lobby, the rural lifestyle lobby is very small. We're a small exactly. percentage of the population. Exactly. And nobody really cares what we think. Right. That's why windmills are here and solar panels are here. Right. And the wind blows on the coasts. There's solar. The sun shines on the coasts. Last time I checked, I've right. been to both coasts. The sun was shining. Exactly. Um, so they could put all that shit out there, but instead they put it here because, right. well... They don't have to look at it, and we'll, exactly. we'll run the power here and there. And, and that's what pisses me off. If, if, if we have to put windmills in the Midwest and litter our countryside, but the, all the power from that's going to New York City or wherever, yeah. to hell with that. If, yeah. you guys, if you guys are so hell-bent on you know, solar power or wind, then put the shit in your backyard. I'm tired yeah. of farming around it, tired of looking at it and everything else. So exactly. you deal with it. Exactly. You know, it, it, uh, it's like anything that's, that's mandated. It has its pros and its cons. There's generally more cons than pros, but right. it just, eventually at some point it becomes the norm and you just put up with it and deal with it, but that right. doesn't make it right. Exactly. At the end of the day, I've always said good ideas don't have to be mandated. No. <laughs> Truthfully, if it's such a good idea, why would you have to mandate it and force it on somebody? It, it, exactly. That's a great idea. And so, I don't know. I, I, You know, things are changing extremely rapidly in agriculture right now. And, I mean, so far, coming into 2021, every farm magazine you pick up is talking about carbon credits, this, that, and the other. And, yeah, I mean, they're really going full bore on this now. And it may be a good thing. I don't know. We're, I mean, this is in its infancy. I, I have no idea. Unfortunately, but, they probably don't know either. Exactly. That's not going to stop them from mandating something one way or the other, but they probably don't know either. Exactly. So, I I don't know. I'm, I'm scared to say on this, but generally when you involve the government and the word mandate, it doesn't benefit you and i here yeah. in the midwest yeah for the most part we're a small percentage of the population and the largest landowners exactly so exactly. we control the territory but we don't really control it exactly so. yep yep and then you know these windmills unfortunately here where we're at it's like we're right on the line you know there's really none south of us but if you go north of us yeah they're everywhere yeah and i don't know if i mean i i mean to hell to me it's just as windy down here as it is up there yeah. and i don't know what the reasoning is behind that but uh, and I'm not bitching. Don't get me wrong. I would just soon not be looking at them damn things either. But I, you know, it just gets forced on them people, and and I don't know how that works either. If I don't know if them companies come in and block off, you know, six thousand acres, and once you're in that block, you're getting windmills whether you like it or not, or if you have to sign off on that. I've never really got a clear answer because because I'm all about freedom too. You know, if you if you want windmills on your eighty acres, then then put them on there. I don't care. I just don't want this shit. Like, well, like when a power line comes through, you know, yeah. you can't really stop it. Now I got all these poles across my field, and there ain't nothing I can do about it. I don't know yeah. if windmills are the same way or not. I have no idea. I'm not sure how all that works. Yeah, yeah. I I personally don't like to look at them. They're they're loud. They're noisy. And frankly, I don't think outside of the subsidization, they ever produce a legitimate kilowatt of electricity in their life. Right. But and now we've got a huge issue with what are we going to do with them when they're decommissioned. Right. And we're stacking them up in Iowa. We're not stacking them up in New York City. Exactly. We're not stacking them up in California. We're stacking them up in Iowa because, well, we don't really care what people in Iowa, if they're going to look at them, that's fine. Exactly. You know, and that's not right to me. But. Right. And I'm not into aerodynamics and all this other shit, but 
you know, why does there have to be three quarters of a mile between every windmill? It's like, if you want all this shit, stack them in there as tight as you can. You know, seriously, I mean, why yeah. does there got to be such a big gap? And then I, nothing burns me more than to drive past a wind farm and, you know, one's turning, the rest aren't. Right. Well, the wind's blowing. Exactly. You know, oh, it's blowing too fast. Got to shut them off. It's not blowing hard enough. They won't turn. Yeah. We got to have electricity to start them because they can't start on their own. Right. I mean, you know, you could talk for days on the benefits, the pros, the cons. Are they legitimate? Are they not? My thing is, you know, the wind blows everywhere for the most part, but you don't see them put them where there's populace because, well, right. the, you know, we're inconvenience those right. people, but that's where they need the power. Exactly. I mean, to me, there would be no better place than, than go a mile off the coast in the ocean yeah. and just stack them bastards up as, as much as you want because yeah. there's nobody out there. Nobody has to look at Sunshine's them. Sunshine's out there, too. Yeah. You but know. it's like they don't want to do that. And, you know, and I don't know what you want to call the economic. But you can't tell me that if New York wanted the power, you couldn't go a mile off the coast of New York and put windmills versus putting the goddamn things in South Dakota and then piping the electricity all the way to New York. Yeah. <laughs> that I don't know how that works. but I, I don't disagree. You know, you, you always hear, you know, we can't put offshore drilling rigs within so far of the coast because it runs the view. What about littering the Midwest with these stupid blinky lights yeah. and these windmills? Well, the, the difference is. They have lobby power. We don't. Exactly. So. Exactly. And that's what's bad nowadays, you know, is that th- things have got such on a big grand scale with these lobbyists and companies. And there's just, they're just such powerhouses that you, can, you can't stop it. I mean, it's if they want them, you're going to get them whether you want it yeah. or not. And uh, there's nothing you can do about it. Well, money talks and, and BS walks and, you know, you can only do so much. Like I said, we're a small percentage of the population. And, you right. know, if farmers could ever band together, we're right. We provide something that everybody in America needs, or everybody in the world needs, three times a day. Exactly. But we don't mandate a price for it. Yep. We, we ask people, "Hey, what would you give us for this?" Yep. And you know, if there's ever a group that needed a union, yeah, it's the American farmer. Yeah, exactly. You know, which you can't get two of them to agree no. on anything. No. And, it, and it's like some people talk- are still running leaders. Yeah, I mean, exactly, exactly. So, and it's. It's like we talked last weekend, and for those of you that follow me on TikTok, you'll probably see we had the big get-together in Indiana, and you and I have even talked about it, and Chuck Weldon and I talked about it on the phone, that it's sad nowadays that farming has become so cutthroat and so screw your neighbor over as hard as you can that I met up with 30 people that I had never met in person, had talked to them on TikTok, and that was it. And we had the greatest time that I've had in years because I didn't have to worry about what I told Chuck because he wasn't going to turn around and screw me over tomorrow and go tell my landlord or or anything else, you know, and it's sad. And I think you and I even talked about that. And, it, you know, it's it's sad. you got to be careful what you say because it's so cutthroat. It's, it's very hard to be a prophet in your own hometown, right? It is. So, you know, I know your history. You know my history. We'll keep that amongst ourselves. But, you know, it's very hard to to get a... To grasp all that and to not use that against somebody, and for somebody not to use that against you. Right. So, it, it some at some point in time, it's easier to talk to somebody you barely met that's five hundred miles away, right. because they're not in your shoes and they're not looking to fill them. Exactly. They're just looking to talk. Exactly. You know? And and that's what I've talked over the years with different people as far as when it comes to farming. And, and you and I are on the same page. I totally believe it's a free country. Go out and make as much money as you can. I have no issue with that. I. I don't like government intervention, you know, whatever. But at some point in time, morals do need to take over. I mean, you get guys, and I've said this a hundred times, you know, if you're farming 5,000 acres and your neighbor down the road is farming 500 and he's struggling to get by and trying to raise a family and this and that, and you go down and talk to his landlords and beat on their doors and take 
half of his farm from him. You know, if you're farming 5,000 acres and you're that piss poor of a farmer that you had to have that other 200 acres to make a living, then you need to go do something else. You got to go get a factory job. To me, that's that's your morals are gone. You're just being a greedy dick in my my personal. And I'm not knocking big farmers. Don't misunderstand me. If landlords come to you, whatever, that's fine. It's fair game. But when you're out beating on doors to yeah. people like that, I, I don't understand that. that. Uh, I'm with you there. I mean, that's. You know, everybody wants to do better tomorrow than they did today, right? So you, you do what you can, but it, it, it gets to be a cutthroat game. But at some point in time, we're a victim of technology, right? Exactly. So back in the day, when our when our dads were kids, when our grandparents were kids, this, that, and the other, they weren't on TikTok. They weren't talking right. to people 3,000 miles away. Right. So they had to talk to their neighbor, right? Right. So you want your neighbor to do good because, well, let's face it, you're going five miles exactly. from your house. That's as far as you're ever getting. Yeah. Unless it's a huge big deal. Right. Five, ten miles, about as far as you're going. Well, now, you know, you might on a regular basis talk to somebody that's 500 miles away three times a week. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so you don't necessarily have to converse with your neighbor, and we've kind of got away from that. Let's face it, the whole whole world is drifting from the Bible, and that's a whole separate topic we won't get into today. But as we become less biblical as a people and further disconnected from local... And further connected to far away. I mean, let's face it. You right. go to any restaurant tomorrow. Tomorrow for lunch, after church, you go to a restaurant. You'll see a family of four sitting there. Three of them will be on their phone. Oh, absolutely. And I'm not saying I'm not guilty of it. I've right. done it myself. Right. Conversing virtually with people. Right. Face-to-face talking is, is done. It's is either over. through phone, through text, through whatever. And it's funny because we keep going back to Doug, the Montana Farmer 75. He lives in Montana and I talk to him more than I talk to most of my own close friends around here. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, he'll call me and we'll be on the phone for two hours, you know. I got a friend yeah. that I've known my entire life that will talk for 15 minutes a week tops. Yeah. You know. Exactly. And so you're right. It, it's drifted farther out, but the local level is all but gone. You know? all, all but gone. And, the, of course, the COVID thing hasn't helped with any of that because you can't gather. So now you're on the phone talking to people, you know, because let's face it, you, you, like to, you, you know what's happening in some of your local people's lives because you heard it when you right. got gas. Exactly. You know, in a small town. So right. now you're drifting out farther, you know, right? calling up some people, this, that, and the other, because let's face it, you need some interaction at some point. Right. Exactly. So. And and it, once again, it's a conversation for another time, but you know the screw and I took on this hog deal with mm-hmm. mine from neighbors. And, you know, when we were kids... You had the whole community, this guy raised fat hogs, this guy raised sows, this guy had feeder pigs, blah, blah, blah. And everybody worked together, you know. I, I'm going to get along with this guy because I'm going to buy feeder pigs from him. And, yep. and everything. And that, that's all gone now. Once the livestock got vertically integrated and everybody went huge and got out, it's like, I, you know, you have no connection with the farmer a mile down the road now. You both grain farm. He goes to Florida yep. in the winter. You don't give a shit. And you, know, you never, you never, te- you see each other. You don't have any reason to talk to the guy. Yeah. And, it, and part of that is, is once things became more uh, easier to travel. You know, when we were kids, nobody farmed 20 miles away. Oh, God, no. You know, two miles, it. maybe. Yeah. Four miles, whew, that's a big drive on an M. Right. Now, well, I farm 20 miles this way. That guy farms 20 miles this way. You farm 20 miles the other way. Yeah. If we just get together, we could say there's a lot of driving. Exactly. If I just do a little swapping and trading, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. Exactly. But it just doesn't work like that anymore. Right. You know? Right. Because, because things have become easier, you know, when... You know, when when I when you and I were kids, we went to to town. You know, our bigger town around here, roughly ten thousand people. Yep. What once a month? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It was a big deal. Yeah, and it was a grocery day. Yeah, and it, then, was, it was a big deal. Now, 
You didn't go there to just eat. No. You're like, hey, you want to go down there? You know, you yeah. went because you had to get stuff. I mean, now we might go twice a day. Yeah, exactly. You know, on an average day, and I don't work there. Right. You know, exactly. But you might go twice a day. You yep. might go three times. Right. You just never know. So, right. as transportation has changed in that, and and things have gotten easier logistically, right, so to speak. It's changed the dynamic on that quite a bit, right? You know? And and we've talked to you know on different times on TikTok as to how there's no neighbor connection anymore as far as hey come you know I'm gonna rent you my ground you know you just yeah. got married you got a wife and three little kids you know I want to see you succeed now it's screw it you know high bidder gets it all I don't care if the guys from forty miles from here or four hundred don't matter to me I want as much money as I can get and you can't blame landowners I mean it's tough you know nowadays yeah. to live. But for the most part, the guys that are renting this ground out, it's not really about the money, or it shouldn't be. I mean, you know, they're driving Cadillacs, everything they got's paid for, they're 75 years old, they're, you know, $30 an acre ain't going to make or break this guy either way. And it's just, it sucks so bad to see that because that fabric is gone. I mean, it, you know, they just, nobody cares. They don't care about their neighbors. They don't care to take care of each other. No, and, it's not quite the tight knit community and there's still some of those that exist. Yeah, and but, I should yeah, there is. There's a few. But they're but they're few and far between anymore, you know, right. back in the day. And of course, like I said, everything gets better with time, right? So you remember things fondly even right. though even if they were crappy. Exactly. At the time. Exactly. Now you remember them fondly, but it's like, you know, at some point in time everybody you knew was on the volunteer fire department, everybody went to whatever fundraiser was happening. Everybody participated in this, and okay, right. Bill's combine burn up. We're going to blow in there. We're going to help him out. Yep. You know, Joe's Joe's wife's sick. We're going to blow in there. We're going to take his crop out. Yep. You know, and it, it's all close knit. It's tied together, and we're going we're going to raise these, ourselves up together. You know, many right. hands make light work. Right. right. Exactly. But that is faded. But I think that farming's not unique in that regard. I think that is faded in every industry. Farming's actually probably better about that than every other gamut of the right you, you know of the of the world but it's it's starting to slip away here too right and i i guess it gets me when you see social media and you see maybe people that aren't from the farming community and, and i know this is going to sound shitty to everybody listening to this but farmers get this rap that oh they're the salt of the earth type people and oh they do anything they work from sun up to sundown they're such good upstanding people and if the average joe in new york city that has never been on the farm seen how much cutthroat bullshit behind the scenes written land at funeral homes goes on i mean their head would spin i mean i i, I don't think they realize how cutthroat it is you know they i don't think they get the aspect that not every farmer owns 80 acres and just farms 80 acres and lives in it they don't realize that you know you have to own a lot of land rent a lot of land there's a lot more logistics than what they realize goes into it i think the disconnect between the average person that eats three times a day and the average person that grows it is so far gone oh yeah that that you couldn't even begin to explain the land thing to them because they would be so mesmerized by the whole, right. the whole shooting match that that they wouldn't even know where to start. Right, exactly, and that's where I see a disconnect to some degree, not all, but you see different YouTube channels and stuff, and everybody paints this big rosy picture and blah blah blah, and it's it's not really like that. I mean, you know, it it looks good for film. But I think people need to start telling the real story. I mean, truthfully, it's because it's yeah. not rosy. They they make it out to be that, you know, oh, it's hard to make a living. And, and that's another thing I get tired of is 
Very seldom, if you ever go back through my YouTube or my TikTok, you hear me bitch about how hard farming is or how hard it is to make money and this and that. I'm not saying it's not, but I don't harp on that. And a lot of people do, but they overlook the fact that, you know, this neighbor down the road here, he's a complete ass. You know, he treats everybody like shit. He rents every acre of ground he can get, don't care how he gets it, goes to funeral homes, you know, sends people letters. It don't matter. And they leave all that stuff out. And I, I think that's where the image of the American farmer has been lost because it's not as rosy as some of these people want it no, to be I mean, made I mean, I think the, the, the general consensus city viewpoint is, is is farming is gravy train, and it's this, that, and the other. Welfare, but, subsidies. They, they, they have know. no idea where their food comes from. You know, which is right. sad, really. It I mean, is. Truthfully, it's sad. It is. And, the, you know, they think everybody, well, we could, we're just going to grow all this organic and we're going to do this, that, and the other. Uh, and some of that, that stuff works, and that's great if that works for you. But widespread, we got to feed the people. Exactly. And, you know, economically, you got to do what you got to do on some of that. But it just, it, it, it's a it's a global shift in... And how things work, right. you know, as information becomes more readily available, as news becomes 24 seven, things right. change so much faster. You right. know, back when our grandpas were our age, you know, if something happened in Washington, D.C. or California or Chicago, it might be four or five days before they yeah. even caught a glimpse of it. Exactly. Now, I found it's, out at the same time the people that live next door found out. Exactly. I mean, you know, it's, it was instant. On, it's instant. It's instant. You've boom. got it. You're right or wrong. You've got it. Yep. So, you know, and that, and that affects people on how you handle that. You know, right? It, it, you know, changes from day to day, but. right? And I think some of the scarier times in farming coming up are going to be electric vehicles because the vast majority of the corn you and I produce is used yeah. for ethanol or livestock feed. And I mean, I'm not saying there's not corn syrup or some byproducts out of that corn that's in, not ending up in food, but you're not going to Walmart and buying a can of corn off the shelf, and that's the corn that I raised. It it doesn't work that way. So it's either ethanol or livestock feed. And now you've got all this fake meat coming online. Yeah. I mean, them companies are growing by leaps and bounds of meat that was grown in the lab, which is yeah. scary as hell to me. Yes, But it is flat baffling to me. And you and I don't see it being in a rural community with livestock being around and just growed up with it that, you know, a hog raised in a new modern confined hog building is 10 times better than it was when they were raised on the dirt, I mean, it's temperature controlled, yeah. all the food and water they want. It's not, you know, people get this image that they're just crammed in like sardines and can't turn around, can't lay down, I mean, can't do nothing. It's nothing like that. Ironically, those same people that don't like pork allegedly raised in a tight building will eat tilapia till, exactly. till the cows come home. Exactly. Which is crammed in a tank. Yeah. From what I've seen. Exactly. Tight. exactly. So that's what gets me is you see it every winter living in the Midwest because, you know, obviously it gets cold here. And the first thing everybody bitches about on Facebook is bring your dog inside. It's getting yeah. down below 20 degrees. Well, now you just fucking told me that I can't bring my hogs inside. They have to be outside on the dirt. I tried to put them in a temperature control building, but, yeah. that, you know, oh, we can't do that. Well, now, which is it? You know, I'm trying to raise hogs where it's cool in the summer, warm in the winter, and everything they want right there at their disposal. But no, no, because they're in a pen. But by God, in the winter, you know, then you got to bring your dog inside when it gets down to 40 degrees. Well, now... I don't, I don't understand that. You know, some of that comes down to animal choice, but nobody wants to give them the choice. You know, I myself, I very seldom ever wear a coat. Can't right. stand them. Right. Can't drive in one. Typically don't walk that far outside. So I'll put a coat on occasionally, but not very often because you got to take it back off when you get in the vehicle. They annoy me. I'm right. hot-blooded. But that's not necessarily for you. You might right. be cold-blooded want to put a coat exactly. on. So my dogs, i got German Shepherds. 
They love the cold. Yep. As soon as it snows, they're out there bouncing. You could lock them up if you wanted to. Yep. Now, when it's hot, yep. yeah, they want to lay on some concrete. Exactly. You know, livestock are the same way. You know, but but the average non-farm person has no clue how all that works. Exactly. And, that, and that's unfortunate, and that's where I think we failed as farmers to a certain ex- extent on keeping that connection and educating them. Right. But it's so hard to explain that to them, you know, because they're so far gone. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to you're going to change your mind. I mean, it's like they are dead set against it because somebody told them when they were five years old that yeah. livestock should not be raised in a building, and so yeah. I mean, I, I mean, any different. I so we still raise livestock here on my farm. For those of you listening, we raise goats, and I've always looked at animals just like humans. Yeah. Okay. Do you want fresh water, or would you rather drink out of a muddy creek with moss yeah. on it? Well. I would take the fresh water. So guess what my animals get? Fresh water. Yeah. Because it is in my best interest to have as healthy animals as I can. Absolutely. Because otherwise, they're dying. They're sick. It's just costing me money. When it comes to antibiotics, everybody's always jumping up and down about antibiotics and animals. Okay. So when an animal gets sick, do I either just let it die? Just leave it out there in the mud, and if it goes down, you just can't put antibiotics in it. Just leave her there until she dies. I mean, you can't do that. And they're so expensive. They, you know, I'm not out there just trying to see how many shots I can give to animals. Yeah. Because you're going to lose your ass right off the bat. So, yeah. I mean, that that's just not the way it works. And that stuff is so protected, so regulated, that I can assure you the meat that is hitting your plate, like on the cattle side, hog side, whatever, there is not traceable enough antibiotics it's in that stuff. It's, my, my personal favorite is the non-GMO products that... GMO products of that version don't exist, like non-GMO orange juice. To yep. my knowledge, there's no GMO oranges. Right. But it's on the label, exactly. non-GMO. Big, bold print. Exactly. I walk past that jug, I'll grab the next one. Right. I'm not buying that one. Right. Exactly. And the bad part is, you know, we raised non-GMO corn and beans for several years there, and people don't realize that that actually takes more chemical to yes. raise non-GMO crops. Yes. Non-GMO does not mean it's not getting sprayed. That means it can't get sprayed with certain certain herbicides. That means sprayed at night, Tony. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's, that's... I was talking to a local lady one time that literally thought that every soybean got injected with Roundup. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not the case. They don't get no. injected with it. You're not eating Roundup. Right. So for those of you who are listening, non-GMO... And organic are two different things. So organic is truly that. To my knowledge, nothing has ever been changed in organic. I mean, that's getting sprayed with nothing. That's like raising crops in the 1800s. True organic, if there is such a thing, yes. Right. Non-GMO means I can spray whatever herbicide is labeled for that product on that soybean or corn, whatever it is. And you end up using more because those herbicides are less effective to the resistant weeds today. So... In the end, you're actually spraying more on a non-GMO crop than you are a GMO crop. Well, GMO is one of those terms we wish we could disinvent. Mm-hmm. Because to a certain level, everything's genetically modified, right? So we, exactly. we have bred horses. We've bred dogs. We've, we've bred soybeans. We've bred corn for certain traits, right? right. All the way back through society, from, from humans to, right. to cats, dogs, you know, right. panthers, whatever. Right. It's, at some level. And, you know, and, we, and we catch a bad rap as farmers on that, but a part of it is just the huge disconnect in the difference between what's on your table and what we produce in the field. Exactly. Because nobody knows 
You know, you ask the average city person, what are you going to do without farmers? We'll just go to the grocery store. Right. Well, that stuff just doesn't magically show up. Exactly. Somebody exactly. had to raise that. Somebody somebody put some hard work into that. Yep. But they don't know because it's so far gone because we're such a small percentage of the population. They just don't know. Exactly. It's sad. And I don't know where we ever dropped the ball as farmers coming into this. Because to me, it was almost like it happened overnight. <laughs> it's like I went yeah. from 16 years old where nobody cared to... Three years later, it's like, holy shit, you know. But my whole argument to these people that are, you know, just diehard organic, non-GMO, whatever else, this, that, and the other, no, you guys are killing us, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. Okay, if that's the case, then why is the age of the average American longer now than it was 40 years ago? Exactly. So, I mean, if we're actually killing you guys like you say we are, then shouldn't that shouldn't that number be going down instead of up? I mean, it, it, you know, it's not funny, but it's kind of funny. You know, it's like people are concerned about their food supply. Yet they'll go eat stuff that they knowing know that's bad for them. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's not from the farmer standpoint; it's from a fast food standpoint. Right. Whatever, you know, they'll go eat cheeseburgers and fries, whatever. Right. Late, you know, exactly. And they'll, they'll garf the, scarf those down. Okay, it, it is what it is on that. But you know, by the same token, their deodorant is you know got aluminum in it. Whatever, right? They're putting that on their soap, their shampoo, all these products that may or may not be bad for them, good right. for them, whatever. They don't think twice about that. Right. But, by gosh, they want some non-GMO orange juice, even though they can't buy GMO exactly. orange juice. Exactly. You know? And I'll, I I will never say this exactly how it was typed, but I was on Ag Talk one day, and they were talking about confined livestock. And they, uh, over in China, they've actually got hog farms now that literally you do not even go inside. I mean, it's, you know, the automatic feed, automatic water, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. And I... I can't think of how this guy worded it, but it was so perfect. And basically, he made the analogy of, okay, you got people crammed in a, a tight environment. If that's what you guys are going to say, then we've got yeah. people crammed in a tight environment. They walk around like zombies to go to the food trough and the water trough. And there was something else in there. And at the very end of the quote, he said, it sounds just like New York City. And it's, it's like, it's, it's right, you know. So yeah. if you people are so against confined whatever, then move out of the city then. Because yeah. you fucking people are confined a hundredfold of what you and I are yeah. per capita. Per, per capita, they're way tighter than any hog yeah. ones ever been. And they literally walk into a McDonald's, they have food served to them, and this, yeah. that, and the other. So it was a very good analogy, and I can't think now exactly how that guy said that, but they're so against confined livestock, but yet they live in a confinement themselves. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, like I said, there's such a disconnect there that if they actually saw the real, the real way that works from you and I's standpoint, it wouldn't concern them at all. Exactly. I have no problem driving up. You know, you want to drive to a confinement hog operation, throw exactly. a pig in the back of my truck, I'll take it home and butcher it up. Exactly. But they don't understand that because they're so and, big of disconnect. And the bad part is that's where some of these animal rights groups got such a hold that now the integrated producers, I mean, they wouldn't even dream of showing the inside of a hog confinement. And from you and I's standpoint, it is perfectly safe and it's yeah. like... That is the ultimate way to raise livestock. But the minute they show that, the animal rights people are always going to find the one bad apple in the group. And it, and I don't care. You can do everything as perfect as you want, and there will always be one bad apple. And that's the footage that they'll take and Absolutely. say, see, here's what you got with your confined livestock. And it doesn't work. I mean, you know, people just cannot get through their head that farmers are in this to make money as efficiently as possible. Yeah. And, it, you know, it... That is such a sad disconnect. They act like antibiotics are free and you're just, you know, yeah. I, I don't know where that disconnect ever came from. Well, I think it's just as as society became more urban and less rural, 
you know, it, it just there was a natural separation there that happened, and we should have stayed on top of of educating them and and, and showing them the difference. But it, it's so hard to turn the table now, right? Because you know? you're such a we're at such a disadvantage, two percent or one percent, whatever farmers are, and then. And that's all farmers, and then out of that one or two percent, how many of that are livestock? Probably another five yeah. percent or ten, whatever it is, of that one percent. And and we have no control of the media, exactly. So what's going to get shown is what they want shown, not necessarily what we want shown. Exactly. Let's face it. However, media covers you is how things are viewed. Exactly. You know, I can change your opinion one way or the other, or the or the masses' opinion one way or the other, if I have control of the media. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's. I wish things could. I wish things would at least be fair, you know, and I don't care what aspect of media, I don't care if it's politics, farming, whatever. I just wish it was fair. It's like things are so lopsided and so one-sided yes. that you're not getting the entire story. Well, you, you know, the old adage is true. You can tell a lie long enough becomes truth, mm-hmm. you know, so I can tell you the sun rises in the West. If I tell you that long enough, next thing you know, right. you're telling your buddy, hey, the sun rises in the West today. Exactly. You know, because, well, that's what you've been told. Exactly. So. Exactly. It's unfortunate, but that's that's where we're at with society today. And it, you know, it's you know, the American farmer doesn't get enough credit. We're for one percent or two percent, whatever we are, and we feed millions and millions and millions of people very, very efficiently. Right. But we don't get a lot of credit for it. Right. Exactly. And I'm not saying that you know, poor me, poor me. I'm not saying that by any means. You know, but what people don't understand is the rural lifestyle is. Is awesome. They don't know it. Right. They're never going to know it, and I'm fine with that. You right. live in a city, stay there. I don't want you out here. Right. But it, uh, it it's its whole other world, and it's it's magical to some level. Even though it is a, it's tough to make a living. It's tough to live day to day. You know, you're not you're not uh, well. You don't set your own price. Right. You know, you're asking people what will you pay for this. Right. You know, but it is. A magical lifestyle in the in the way people take care of the land, take care of the livestock, this, that, and the other. You're not hiring ten people from the city to right. manage that deal, exactly, because they're not going to pull it off. Exactly, they didn't grow up with it; they don't know it. Right, you know, and right. it's it, it's just a shame that the, the disconnect is there, and we should be better about educating them to a certain level on how their food ends up on their table. Right, but it's tough to do. And and to me, that's. What is so scary about this farming deal is we are so outnumbered that someday it's going to be mandated the way you farm. And, you know, we've already seen it, you know, as far as uh, cage-free chickens, you know, and certain sows that can no longer, you know, people don't realize like a farrowing crate in a hog barn. That is there to keep the mama sow from crushing her babies yeah. because she does not know. They don't think like humans. Yeah. She just flops down. And if there's three babies there, she crushes them and kills them. Yeah. And the city people can't get that out of their head. They don't. They don't understand that. And she's not in this crate for her entire life. I mean, that's yeah. literally when she has pigs for the first you know, few weeks, you know, call it two weeks afterwards. Yeah. And then after that, she's free to go. And they just act like they're like a robot that just stands there and they get bread and they have pigs. They get bread and they have, and they just never move out of this one spot. And it's, if they would just back off and let the farmer do this, his own thing. They could see how this actually is better for the end. Well, I'll tell you what scares me more than that is the fact that the average age of the farmer is, you know, five years from death. Right. You know, the average age of the farmer is old. Right. So what are we going to do going forward? Right. Because the amount of people that are willing to farm is slim. Exactly. And the amount of people that are willing to live 
raise livestock is way less than that. Exactly. So what are you going to do going forward to make sure that these 300 million people that live here right. have a cheeseburger, right? have fries, have cage-free chicken, Whatever, exactly. Whatever your taste may be. Exactly. You know, and, and they don't struggle. they don't realize the amount of land and infrastructure that that takes. So let's just say we got a guy here that can raise forty eight hundred head of hogs in a building that's, you know, I'm going to use rough numbers because it's different everywhere. So let's just say it's eighty foot wide and four hundred feet long. You know, and that's going to be very rough numbers. So that's forty eight hundred head of hogs. If you want to do that on dirt and in a pasture, yeah. That's going to be one hell of a lot bigger footprint than what that is. I yeah. will assure you of that. Absolutely. So, and I, I just, I wish there was a way to reach out to these city people to show them that things on paper ain't always as rosy as it yeah. seems. It looks good on paper, but in the yeah. real world, it don't work that way. It doesn't necessarily work that way. That's exactly right. I've, I've it, always anything like we were talking earlier on the windmills and that and the other. If it was economically better. And we produced a better product that we right. could that we could get more for. Right. It'd be done that way. Exactly. That's how free market economies exactly. work, right? Exactly. So, if raising them in basically doghouses on exactly. dirt, like they used to do in Henry County, Illinois, exactly, which was the large the poor capital of the world for a long time, if that was the best way to still do it, they'd still be doing exactly. it. exactly. And you've always told this same analogy growing up that after the Civil War, when slavery ended, there was no cotton shortage. Mm-hmm. You know what we did? We mechanized it. Mm-hmm. We found a better way to do it. Found a better way to do it. Same way with hogs. It's that, you know, we found a better way to do it. You exactly. Know? And so, yeah, people got to realize that, I mean, it's whatever way it's being done right now may not necessarily be the best, but it's the most efficient for this point in time and economical, you know. And I I don't know. I It's, it's, it's discouraging as a farmer to see the way people think that we do stuff that have no clue. It's different if they were right. I mean, if you call yeah. me out on it, I can live with that. And it's no different than the, I get a lot of these comments on TikTok as far as, yo, you guys are a bunch of welfare queens and this, that, and the other. And I'll be the first to admit right now, we are. But once the first guy takes the government money, we all have to. Because it would, if your competition's doing it, exactly. you got to do it to keep If up. you and I were painting houses and the government's subsidizing you, and I'm not, who's going to stay in business longer? And yeah. I hate it as much as the next guy. And I'll be the first to admit, it is truly welfare. And if you want my opinion, kill it all tomorrow. This has drove your mega corporate farms. It has because they, okay, so they put payment limits on this stuff, but them guys have three full-time secretaries and know every loophole. And well, even though it's such and such farms that farms 10,000 acres, well, this part's in my boy's name and this and that. And so they're always under the payment limits, but they're just barely under where they can maximize every dollar. And it, you know, the thing about that is the farmers take a bad rap for that. And all that gets put on the internet. When's the last time you saw somebody that's in the oil and gas industry, and I hate to pick on them right now because they've taken a beating in the last two days, but let's take oil and gas, railroad, take your pick. When's the last time you saw all that stuff be made public? Right, exactly. All that stuff's the exact same way. Exactly. You got a lease, I didn't. Exactly. We both applied at the same time, both had legitimate paperwork. You knew a congressman, I yep. didn't. Exactly. You know, it, 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 uh, it goes, you know, it's full circle on a whole wide range of things, you know it, Anything, let's face it, anything the government gets involved in, probably screwed up. Right? Exactly. exactly. They can't run the post office. No. FedEx, UPS, very successful. Exactly. Postal service, can't sell a stamp for a profit. Yep. So, and not saying they're not necessary, but there's better ways to run it. But it, it's unfortunate that we take a beating on all that when that happens in every industry. Exactly. Whether it's from your windmill 
to your right. You know, oil well that's drilling over there. All yeah. that's tied in. I mean, somewhere, hell, the government was. I mean, they still own Amtrak or was subsidized. I mean, uh, at one time, I assume they still own it. At one time, they lost money at the snack bar in Amtrak. Yeah. Now, how do you lose money at a snack bar? Exactly. You, it's not like you're hopping off the Amtrak and you know running down grabbing a Snickers bar and jumping back on. Right. You're physically going down the road. Exactly. Right? You're going to buy their Snickers bar. So right. you get fifty cents for it, charge a dollar for it. It doesn't seem like yeah. it seems like simple math to me. But with Common Core, I don't know where they went with that. Exactly. Maybe they're selling it for twenty five cents. Right. I don't know. Right. But you're exactly right. The farmers always get hammered on the subsidies. But if you start digging around, there is subsidies for anything and yeah. everything out there. I don't care if it's from building a skyscraper to whatever. There are subsidies everywhere. There's and to me, it's like somewhere's getting something. You're literally biting the hand that feeds you, and you're yes, bitching literally. about farming. Yeah. And and I don't. I honestly, I will admit, it, it is truly fucking welfare. It it is. There is no other way. And farmers always want to shy away from that. And oh, and no, we're not in this and that bullshit. It is. But in my humble opinion, and I know Nick feels the same way. Kill it all. Let the fucking chips fall where they may. But it seems like you get to this. It seems like anybody farming under 2,000 acres like, fuck it. Do away with all of it. Yeah. We'll see where the chips fall. But anybody that gets over that, well, you know, I don't know if we want to do that or not. You know, and yeah. there's always some hum haul around an excuse. And it just, it's drove. And, and I'm not knocking big farmers. I'm not knocking corporate farmers. I'm not knocking none of that. But don't throw all this on the back of little guys like me and Nick that try to do it the right way, but literally get thrown into the subsidy category because we have to. Once them guys take it, if we don't take it, then they're going to farm everything, literally. Yeah. So that's just that's just the way the chips fall. I'm sorry. Yeah, you, you don't want the little guy to make it because, you know, well, he took the subsidy, but by the same token, he's more closer to your table exactly. than the large producer. Now, there again, I'm not knocking large producers. The world needs them. To a certain extent, you know, right. they need them. But you you have to realize that that if you're if I'm okay, so I'll just give you a simple example. You're managing two bike tires for your kids. Mm-hmm. You got to keep the air pressure right in those two bike tires, right? Yep. Okay, you got one bike, two bike tires. I've got fifteen thousand bike tires to manage. Now, whose air pressure is going to be more averagely correct? Exactly. Your two are going to be on spot on because you only got two to check. Exactly. I've got fifteen thousand. I can't check them all. Right. They're going to be and close. It's and- a, it's the same with everything. You know, yep. economies of scale. It, it all. It all plays out, right? But that's not necessarily the way it's viewed. Right. You know? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I I, I don't know. It, it's never going to change, like you said. I mean, everything just the big get bigger. Well, but, I mean, that's that's human nature. That's the way it's always been. It is. And I, I guess know, as somebody at my age, so I've seen how it's went from point A to point B in my short, let's just call it 20, because, you know, prior to 20 years old, you didn't give a fuck. You didn't pay attention to nothing. Yeah. Beer was cold. So, didn't care. Yeah. So from twenty to forty, I've seen what it's done. I mean, what's it going to do in the next twenty? I mean, well, like I said, that, that's what scares me is the average age of the farmers. You know, past retirement. Right. So what are we going to do going forward? Right. When we don't have another generation that's willing to put in the hours, willing to put in the heart and soul, what are we going to do? Right. You, you, unless you grow up on a farm, you're not training the average person. Right. To do what you and I do. I, I'm not saying we're superheroes. I'm not. You no. Know, by any means. You you can't go to college and learn the average life you know, of a farmer. You can learn the business side, whatever. But, you know. I can teach you how to stamp license plates. I can teach you how to put a tire on a rim, you know, in, in a short amount of time. Necessarily not knocking tire changers because, God bless you, I don't want that job. Right. But I can't necessarily teach you how to farm in a 30-minute Exactly. Well, it's a week course. Exactly. Ain't going to happen. No, it's not. And unless you have the experience growing up, 
probably ain't going to happen. Exactly. I would agree with that 100%. You know, but, but we're running out of those people. And the scary part is, is so like you say, the average age of farmer is getting older and older as time clicks on here. But the average net worth of the ultra-rich in this world is getting bigger. So could, it, could there be a scenario where Jeff Bezos owns literally, you know, well, the largest 20 farm, million acres of farm? The largest farm owner in the world right now, or in the United States, is uh, Bill Gates. Yep. Largest landowner in the world. Yep. You think he knows jack shit about farming? Exactly. I'm going to guess no. But I mean, right. you're talking about the same guy that thinks you should click start to shut your computer off. Right. I'm going to guess... He doesn't know a good hog from a bad one. Exactly. Not knocking you, Bill. Right. But if you're listening to this, I don't want your vaccine. Right. And that's the bad part is if these guys are all signed on to the Green New Deal and the way that they think farming should be done but don't have a clue because it looks good on paper, if they're controlling the land, what are we going to do? I mean, yeah. you're going to be back in a corner. And, uh, I mean, there's, there's no stopping it. I mean, how are you ever going to compete with that? And the bad part, too, on them guys is they're like any – investor, billionaire, whatever you want to call it, is at the end of the day, you and I, if somebody dumped $20 billion in our lap tomorrow, you're like, well, fuck it, I'll let Nick farm that ground for free. I don't care. I got $20 billion. They don't look at it. It's always an investment to them. So it's going to be the maximum amount of rent you can get, $400, whatever an acre. At the end of the day, Tony, it doesn't really matter what the industry is, right? Boots on the ground that have been doing it for years know the best way to do it. Exactly. Otherwise, they've been doing it some other way. Exactly. You know, I agree. You, you dig my grandpa up and ask him how he used to farm this 40 acres. It, it's planted this direction for a reason. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Because they tried it the other way and it didn't work. Exactly. You know, boots on the ground is always the best way to go when it comes to any of that stuff. You, you know, I can sit in a high-rise skyscraper somewhere and I can tell you that you should be planting... You know, this number of corn, that number, you know, use that herbicide, that chemical, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'll take the word of the guy down the street that's seen that crop fail for 15 years because that guy's doing a half-assed job. Exactly. I'll take his word for it because he's been there and he's seen it. Right. And it's that way in any industry. It is. I can't roll into Texas and tell you how to drill oil. Right. Don't know anything about it. I love oil. Use it every day. God bless you. I appreciate you guys. Pipeline the shit out of it. I love putting it in my truck. Yep. But I don't know anything about it. Right. You know, I can't tell yep. you the best way to get it out of the ground. Right. As long as it ends up in a pump where I can put it in my tank and, and click the nozzle, I'm good with it. Yep. They're doing it the best way they can. If they weren't, they'd be doing it different. Right. And that's true whether it's food, oil. You could be selling crayons. Crayola's right. doing crayons a certain way for a reason because they've been doing it forever. Exactly. If there was a better way to do it, they'd be doing that if it exactly. was more efficient. But unfortunately, in today's society, it's not always viewed that way. Right. Yep. Yeah, I, it just really makes you wonder where this is all going to go because, like I said earlier, you're getting such mega wealth in this world now. Literally, Bill Gates could buy the entire fucking state of Illinois if it was for sale. I mean, well, he really could. I saw a stat on that the other day. It was you know, talking about the average salary in the United States was X number of dollars, whatever it was. Let's call it forty grand. It's like if you take Bezos, Gates, Buffett, and a couple of the top players out of the game. It drops significantly. Oh, absolutely. Because they drastically skew it. But unfortunately, we live in a society where success is looked down upon at some level. And then once you make it past that level of wealth, then you're cool again. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yep. It's it's unfortunate. I don't know what we do to change it, but, you know, that's the way it is. Right. And 
you know, it it truly does get to where once somebody gets so much power and so much momentum, there ain't no stopping them. And it, it, truthfully, if you go back in time and look, that's what like the inheritance tax and all that shit was all about. Because the people in Europe, once you got so much land and you just kept passing on and on and on, eventually your grandkids had so much buying power, my kids couldn't fucking compete with them. Yeah. And I'm not saying I agree with the inheritance tax to some degree because it's like, you know, hey, I bought it. I shouldn't have to fucking buy it again, or my kids shouldn't have to buy it again when I die. But I I do see the logic behind it to some degree, because if I pass on a 1,000 acres to you, and then you got it free and clear, then when you you doubled it because you had all this land set here, you borrowed against it, so you turned it to 2,000 acres, now you pass it to your kids, and it just keeps going, it grows and grows and grows, you do end up with people with giant fucking empires, and nobody else can compete with them. You, you do, but usually... The- the good Lord takes care of that. Right. Most he, kids he, want to sell it all. He splits yeah. that up, and that family only gets, right. you know, whatever. And, and, right. And it, it, it splits itself out. Exactly. And basically, my general theory is if Europe's doing it, I don't want to do it. Because yeah. yeah. I got to figure that my ancestors got on a wooden boat, sailed across an ocean with no map to get the hell away from those people. Exactly. And I figure, yeah, if they were willing to do that, it couldn't right. have been that good over there. Exactly. That's why I'll tell you the smartest people in the world settled in Illinois originally. Before Chicago become part of Illinois. True. And I'll give you my quick theory on that is, so you, you leave Europe, you come to the United States, bam, everything's going good. And dipshits from the Europe keep showing up, so you start moving west. you got to get away from them, right? So you're moving west, you're moving west, you're moving west, it's all going good. You keep getting away from these idiots, and more and more of them keep showing up, you're going good. And then you get to Mississippi River on a horse, and you're like, you ain't crossing that shit. Right, here's where I'm staying. And that's why the smartest people in the world live in Illinois. Exactly. That's exactly right. And then we jipped Wisconsin out of Chicago, and, and now, we're, right. now we're at where we're at. That's, but, that's our sewers falling yeah, in a fucking yeah, exactly. century. Yeah. yeah, you guys can go ahead and have that back now. I, we'll take that dollar back. We'll give it to you gracefully. Take Chicago back. Exactly. Please. Yeah. But, but no, and I don't want to sound like a raging liberal on that deal because... I'm not. I, I, I don't believe that once you buy land, your kids should have to buy it back from the government. But I, I do understand the logic behind it yeah. that once you get this giant powerhouse rolling, if your yeah. kids do decide to stay in it, then, I mean, eventually, two, three, four yeah. generations out, they're going to own shitloads of land and nobody else going to own anything because they got so much buying power. But yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah. a weird... But Europe was a little bit different in the fact with the, with the monarchy and, and this, that, and the other. It was a little bit... Different on how all that played out. But right. I understand 100% where you're coming from. Like I said, generally that gets split up one way or another down the road, whether it be one generation, two generations, three generations. It, it equals out. Karma's a bitch and it comes back around. Yeah. But yeah, it, uh, you know, it, it's interesting to see the times that we're in and, and how things are playing out. Mm-hmm. So as a farmer, what's one of your biggest fears? So like mine would be, and I probably covered this earlier, but, you know, you start knocking livestock offline through the fake meat and taking ethanol offline through the electric vehicles now. I mean, what's something that bothers you? And maybe it's the same thing as me. I, You know, I don't know. But, I mean, that you know, that's pretty serious. I mean, you start knocking hundreds of millions of bushels of corn offline. I don't, I don't know what else we would grow in central Illinois as far as... Yeah, that's definitely concerning. I mean... I mean, you think about that, you know, you hope it doesn't happen, but we're seeing it happen. So, yeah, it's definitely concerning. For us, other concerns besides that, it's like, well, and just overregulation in any in any gamut of our industry. You know, whether it's from herbicides to waters of the U.S., right? Any of this, that, and the other. I mean, 
you know, if, if some of that stuff goes through, guys at Irrigate, they're done day one. Exactly. Their land's worth nothing. Exactly. You know, they've got sand, and hopefully right. you need a sand pile because... Right. And, and even that's another issue, too, I guess, that could maybe, if I played devil's advocate, you know, they talk about the Ogallala Aquifer that runs from Texas to north or south Dakota, wherever it is up there, you know, humongous water source, and how it's getting to critically low levels, and water's going to start being rationed. So... I guess if they shut water off to them people, then that puts us back in the driver's seat in central Illinois. We're not irrigating, you know. So, I mean, I guess I could potentially see it both ways. But how much lobbying power do companies like John Deere have? Which, granted, we see, what, 1% of their company. You know, we think we're big shit here in central Illinois, you know, corn, soybeans, this and that. But I have no idea where most of John Deere's revenue comes from, whether it's from forestry or overseas you know, I have no idea. It could be hats and coats for all for all we do. Exactly. You know. So you know, you you got to throw that into the equation too. Do they have enough lobbying power that you know they can keep the corn farmer in business? I I don't know where they're. Is it from tractors and combines, or is it from whatever something overseas we're not aware of? I don't you know. You got to think there's other industries that have way more lobbying power than us. Right. Exactly. Know? Exactly. And you know, there's even discussion in the future. And I'm talking when you get into these really deep blogs that have literally talked about how once mechanization hits a certain point to where human bodies are no longer needed, there's been discussion of literally paying people to stay home. I mean, to yeah. literally just live. I, I I have no idea where this thing's going. I mean, I really don't. Well, I mean, I don't know a lot about China, but I, I do have some friends that have been over there several times. And, you know, they're driving on a car, go past this guy, and he's, he's pushing a broom along the road. And what's he doing? He's sweeping the road. He walks from this town... To that town, he sweeps the road. That's his job. Right. You know, so once your population gets so high and everything's mechanized, you know, they don't want big equipment over there. Right. You know, I think they still sell 2388s over there to this day. Yep. As minimized as they can get them because they want to mechanize it a little bit because they don't want people to starve, but they don't want, right. you know, 9250s. Right. You know, they don't want S790s. They don't want, you know, whatever, big. Exactly. Because it puts people out of work. Right. So there's a huge... And do, do you think that's where we as Americans have dropped the ball as far as we just let it run rampant? Because I know that was always a big discussion in South America at one time. I'm not saying it's this way today. I just remember when I was in school hearing about it that there was a guy that had, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say he had 20 combines at the time in Brazil. And his logic was this gives everybody in my community a job if I had this many versus condensing that down to 10 combines or whatever. And well, I think in America we, we run into the opposite problem. We don't have the the labor force. We have the labor. We don't have skilled labor when right. it comes to the farm side of things because right. the, you know our communities are small. You know our town here is six hundred people. You know, yeah, we don't have the skilled labor that grew up with them to actually run them. Right. They run into the opposite. There, they don't have any other jobs for anybody else to do. Right. We're a developed nation. Right. So there's other things you can go do. Let's face it. You and I could have took any other job and been probably better off. Exactly. You know, from a purely financial standpoint. Right. Not saying lifestyle, et cetera, et cetera. But from a purely financial standpoint, you could do something else. Right. And be fine. That last podcast I was on, the HR Talk podcast, um, I touched on that on that briefly, that farming is the one occupation you cannot go to school and say, I want to be a farmer. No. It, it does not work that way. I mean, you could literally come from the slums of New York and put your nose at the grindstone and say, I want to be a brain surgeon, 
And if you're willing to spend the money or somehow get grants to get through school, whatever, study yep. the books, you can probably do that. I mean, yeah. for if the most part. Yeah, if you're if you're smart enough, you can make it through. Exactly. For farming, you cannot do that because, A, you don't have the day-to-day experience. You don't have the land base, the machinery. It costs so much to get into that it, it's just mind-boggling. So I've always yeah. said that's one occupation that no matter how bad you want it, you can't just go to school and make yeah. it happen. Yeah. No, absolutely not. You know, my friends and I always joke every year at the National Farm Machinery Show, you know, stuff goes up, this, that, and the other. If I gave you a million dollars and said, hey, Tony, start farming, here's the land, not not counting any of the land. I'm going to give you a million dollars, buy enough machinery to farm this 2,000 acres that I'm going to give you free and clear. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't walk through that show. Exactly. And and start off from scratch, from zero. Exactly. And do that. It just right. doesn't happen. Right. Me and yeah. Kevin have often, often talked about the situation that I'm in with him. You know, when he bought his dad out in 1988, you know, the whole line of machinery was 100000 bucks. Yeah. You know, we got one tractor now that's worth two hundred, two hundred twenty thousand bucks. One yeah. tractor. Yeah. So it it has changed so much in that regard that it's it's mind boggling the amount of dollars that are actually tied up in that. But you know that you just can't you just can't get there from scratch, right? You know, like exactly. we were talking on the last podcast about you know when our grandpas were our age. Okay, so they had four brothers and their parents, and their parents farmed a little bit. They were the oldest child. They moved off, moved away, moved 40 miles away, whatever it was, bought some ground, maybe sent some money back to their parents to help raise right. the kids. Right. Bought ground, got it paid for, and just kept building and building and building. Right. Might have had some ground they didn't even farm because, well, 500 bucks or 500 acres was a lot of ground. Yeah. They couldn't cover it on their 44 massing. Exactly. So they, they, they rented it out or whatever they did. You know, our kids... If they can, if they can get forty acres bought, yeah, would be a miracle. It would be, yeah. And I can name at least two, if not three, families in this immediate community that I'm talking back in the '30s, '40s, whatever it was, that the dad literally bought 160 acres for each boy in the family. And yeah. I'm talking five boys or yeah. more, yeah. And they all made it work, yeah. You know, and, I mean, that would have been a load on the old man, you know, yeah. buying 160 for each boy. And I mean, could you imagine now? I mean, I got three yeah. kids. Okay, yeah, I'm going to buy 160 acres for each kid. So here you go. I you, mean, better get, you better get on that. Yeah. You got that many years left to pay for. Exactly. Yeah. It, which, and that's the generation gap between me and Kevin there that I farm with. The fact that, you know, he tends to look at the record book. And I'm not knocking him. I mean, very sharp individual. Don't, don't misunderstand me there. But you do get the generation gap is he looks at the record book and says, God damn you, look what we gave John Deere last year and just freaks out. But he forgets the grain side of it too. But it's like, yeah, but look at your income. You know, you raised 200 bushel corn and got $4.50 a bushel for it. So, I mean, your income has went up as well as far as some of that stuff. But when it comes to land prices, it truly hasn't. Or overall buying new machinery, it hasn't. I mean, well, in any industry, whether it's farming, oil, you know, whatever it is, you know, things accelerate at a certain level and other things don't. And then they, they equalize at some point. Right. So, you know, anytime you're going to buy land in the history of farming, you know, I'm not talking like depression area, era farming, but post-depression era, you know, there's never been a, a point in time where you could buy land and it, it worked good on paper. If it worked right. good on paper, you buy every acre, right? Exactly. Like, you know, it's 1965, let's say. 
and I'm going to buy this 80 and I'm going to give X number of dollars an acre for it and it's going to pay for itself. It, it's cash flow. It's right. paid for itself right off the get go. Well, I'm going to buy the next 80 that comes up, right? Exactly. Tomorrow, because it's, it's exactly. working. Farming has never worked like that. Right. And it's never going to work like that. Right. If it does work like that, you'll buy every acre you exactly. can It's no trade. different than when we graduated high school in 1998. You know, land, I'm going to say then, was 2500 bucks an acre for the nicest yeah. dirt around here you could get. Mm-hmm. And it was too expensive. It's like, mm-hmm. God, you know, the guy that paid 3000 Jesus Christ, he'll never pay for that. But now yeah. that it's 14000 we'll yeah. buy it all day long. <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. So, yeah, I see what you're saying. It just, it's always proportionate like that. Because it makes you wonder now, the guys that are buying it at, you know, which it's come down a little. So let's just say nine thousand, seven to nine thousand would buy anything around here for the most part, mm-hmm. depending on who's bidding. But it makes you wonder. You know, these same guys that are buying it now wasn't buying it when it was yeah. two or three thousand. It's like, what the hell were you guys doing back then? Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, at some point in time, though, it's like anything. It's like if you're bidding on a pair of socks on eBay. Well, you, you get to the point where you don't want to lose them, right? You know, exactly. Uh, I know it's too much, but. Well, I've been bidding on it for a while now. Now I'm now I'm emotionally invested. Exactly. You know, exactly. Online auctions, in person auctions. You know, if I if I come to you and I offer you this ground for eight thousand dollars an acre, you're like, yeah, yeah, it might. But if I put it on an auction, right? And you started off at six, and your neighbor and you are battling back and yep. forth. The next thing you know, it's nine. Right. I offered to you for eight. Right. But now it's nine. But now you don't want to lose because right. there's competition involved. So human nature takes over, and exactly. you, you know, naturally you want to have it. Exactly. And, uh, it gets to be, next thing you know, average land price is high. Right. You know. Right. And, you know, I will never forget, it was 2008 that land around here sold for $7,000 an acre. And, I mean, that was just absolutely off the charts, completely unheard of. And everybody laughed then and thought, oh, my God. And the guy that bought it, you know, he was, I mean, he was probably 80 years old at the time. Yeah. And, you know, wrote a check for it. I mean, there was no doubt about it. But it was, I mean, people just could not wrap their brain around that and thought, man, you know, what a fool. And then from there, it went all the way to 14, and now it's come back down to 7 to 9. I mean, I think the three to 4,000 days, acre day, they're gone. I mean, unless, you know, we have some major catastrophe. I remember when there was a a particularly good piece of dirt for sale, and you know where I'm talking probably. It was for sale for $3,000 an acre. Everybody's like, who would ever give that for land? Yep. That's ridiculous. Yep. And two years later, if you just offered that for $3,000 an acre, there would have been a line around the block yep. for people willing to sign up for that. Yep. Not because farming had got that much better. It's just the price had shifted. Exactly. You know, yep. when, I, when I was a kid, can you imagine telling your dad, my dad, anybody else's dad that a pickup truck was going to be $80,000? Right. Yeah, exactly. They'd have laughed you out of the room. They would have. Yet the Ford dealer, the Chevy dealer, the Dodge dealer has them sitting all over the lot and they yeah. leave every day. Yeah. You know. I mean, I, I, I can't fathom that because, you know, when we were really fresh out of high school, because I was a big Dodge man back then. You know, a new Dodge diesel pickup truck, four-wheel drive, fully loaded. You know, you were looking at twenty dollars to $25,000, I mean, depending yeah. on what exact options you got inside the cab. And yeah. that was just, yeah. it's like, man, that's stretching. I mean, I don't know who'd be buying these. Yeah. And now it's at 80000 Yeah. But everything's skewed so much that that same truck, if it's low mile, it's still worth $25,000. Exactly. Yeah. You know, because a new pickup's $80,000. Right. So, it, you know, what goes around comes around on that, I suppose. But. And I guess that's, too, where if you take a company like Dodge, Chrysler, you know, Ford, whoever, look at what the 
the average wage of their worker has went up in 20 years. Healthcare alone has. Healthcare alone. I know at one time, the most expensive part, I think this was in the 8,000 series John Deere tractor era, you know, 8,400s, let's say. And I could be wrong on this, so John Deere guys, don't crucify me, but I think during about that time, the most expensive part of that tractor was not the transmission, was not the engine, it was the healthcare for the workers that put it together. God. Now think what those costs are today exactly. versus what they were then. Because I know what my health insurance has done. Exactly. And it dang sure ain't cheaper. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's so, just unreal. I you mean, know, so just think about that. Next time you go turn the key, it's like, well, the, the, the transmission's free, the engine's free, the tires are free. But the health care for the workers that put right. it together has cost me $100,000. Yeah. And I'm not knocking on I'm glad they got health insurance. Yeah. I'm not saying that. I'm just no. saying that, that all those factors get factored into the price yeah. of your new track. Yeah. You that, know, it's I mean, not just steel and rubber. Right. That's you reality. Know, that's reality. And, and that's true of every everything you buy. You yeah. know, yeah. for instance, let's take a new pickup truck. How much of that is emissions? Right. Exactly. It's a lot of it. It is. I got a good friend of mine that's in the military. They could buy new Ford Power Strokes, no emissions on them, for $47,000 right. Exactly. And that's what I've always said. If you go back to my other YouTube videos this fall when the Def took a shit on our combine, I freaked out on that video because I'll guarantee you the United States military ain't sitting in the desert in nope. Iraq with a fucking Def filter plugged on a Humvee no. and getting their ass shot off. It don't work that way. Like I've always said, and I don't want the military to have that shit. Don't no, take I'm the same Don't take this the wrong way. But what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Exactly. I can guarantee you the presidential limo ain't going to have a death filter plug. Exactly. You exactly. Know, they're, they're not going to have those issues. Right. All that shit's exempt yep. on them. They ain't got yep. it. You and know? you and I have talked numerous times. People have heard it on my other TikTok, YouTube, whatever. You know, how much is death saving the environment between the goddamn people that have to drive to work to make death, yep. the semis that have to haul death, the plastic jugs that the death comes in, the cardboard box? The parts that I have to run and get now because my def is fucked up on my combine. It I mean, takes a very special individual, Tony, to think that putting poisonous fertilizer in a plastic jug yeah. shipped in a cardboard box is going to save the world. Exactly. That takes a very naive, very right. special individual. Exactly. I've said for years, and I you crucify me if you want, but if we'd have focused on horsepower and mileage, yep. we'd have been far better ahead. Well, didn't you tell me you got a buddy over in Europe... Somehow, you know, through pulling, yeah. and he just laughs at like our semis are yes. like five, six hundred horse, whatever they are. They, you know, yeah. We think they're badass here. And he's yeah. like, You guys are fucking smoking heroin. I mean, every one of their semis is a cab over, which is aerodynamic as well, basically a sheet of plywood. Exactly. Pushing through the wind, but they've got big horsepower and their emissions are a little bit different. Now, granted, they're going to go back to, I don't want to do anything Europe does. No, I, I agree. Dipshits, but no offense to European people. But Horsepower and mileage, we've been far better off. The emissions would take care of themselves. Right. You know, you think about emissions. Okay, I've got a muffler now on a tractor that costs fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars. So twenty five years from now, when that tractor needs a muffler, okay, I've got an eight thousand dollar tractor needs a three thousand dollar muffler. Right. I'll get right on that. Exactly. I'll be the first one to get, to get yeah. that knocked out. Yeah. It just you know the amount of truck you know, pickup trucks don't get a damn bit better mileage now than they did right. in nineteen seventy nine. If not worse. Yeah. They don't get any better mileage now than they did then. Yep. It doesn't make any sense. Yep. I agree. You, you could have you could have solved a bunch of that. Of course, you hear all the, you know, there was this magic carburetor and some oil oh. company bought it. And maybe that shit's true. Maybe it's not. Probably right. not. But I'm like, if we'd have focused on horsepower and mileage, 
We'd have been better off. The emissions would take care of themselves. Right. You got all this all this crap on a, on a new tractor. You, you go to John Deere tomorrow, and you buy a brand new tractor case. doesn't matter who, Agco, whoever you want. I'm not picking on any of you because you're all great. And, and God bless all of you for doing what you do. But you buy this new tractor, and it's got $20,000 for the shit on there that doesn't make you a dime. Exactly. But when it quits, it costs you $3,000 here. Exactly. $2,000 there. We've got how many friends that work yep. at truck shops right now? Several. Yep. Every one of them will tell you that 80% of what they work on is emissions related. Yep. Exactly. 80% of what they do yep. is yep. keeping shit Working on emissions, $1,500 sensor there, $2,000 sensor there. Yep. But what the American public doesn't realize is all that shit is built into the price of what they buy. Exactly. Whether they're buying a can of beer or they're buying a piece of chalk for a yep. chalkboard, it's all figured into the price. Exactly. It is. If you don't believe me, get on TikTok and go to my friend's page. He's a local guy right here, known him forever. He goes by bullets and mullets. He's a diesel mechanic at a diesel shop in Effingham, works on semis all the time. Like you said, 80 to 90% of the shit that comes yeah. in there is a sensor here, a wiring harness there for the emissions shit. It just, it's never, you know, somebody fucking shucked a rod out the side yeah. of the block ever. It's none of that nope. shit. It's sensors There's and just very bullshit. little of that anymore. I'll give you a prime example. And, the, you know, a buddy of mine was going to Chicago to pick up a piece of equipment with a newer Dodge truck, a regen version of whatever they were. I'm not a Dodge guy, so I don't know when they regen, when they didn't. Because, let's face it, it tells you right on the label, Dodge, shy away from it. Right. But anyway, so he, he stops at outside of Chicago, take a nap, because he's way ahead of schedule. He's going to pick this thing up at, you know, whatever time of the day. They don't open until 8, 9, whatever it is. He left at 4 in the morning, whatever. Wakes up, his truck's regen. Oh, shit. Well, it doesn't regen at an idle. Every time it does that, it kicks the code. So he drives 45 miles the wrong direction so it can regen going down the road, stops and fuels up because it burns a ton of fuel. <laughs> Turns around and goes the other direction. God. And that's yeah. the world we live in. Think of how many trucks are hauling fuel around this, that, and the other. All the supply shit. They shouldn't be supplying anything. Yeah. You know, the world is going back to gas vehicles now. Yeah. Ford's going to dominate with this new 7.3 on the sole fact that the newer diesels can't idle. Yeah. Once they idle very long, it goes to shit. Exactly. And, and a Chevy, the Dodge is no different. Exactly. You know, it, it doesn't make any, but nobody looks at the big picture. They only look about what pads their pocket. Right. Exactly, and, and there's people getting kickbacks here, there, that whatever right. that are making money off this deal, right. doing stupid shit. And to me, it's sad because I know John Deere, whoever you know. Once again, not picking on any name brand here, John Deere case, whoever. But you know, they don't give a shit when the government mandates it because they're going to pass this, the cost on to me and you. So it don't matter to them. But I wish that sometime they would nut up and just all band together and say, you know what, fuck Absolutely. you guys, fuck it, we're firing everybody, fuck you guys. The newest fucking tractor this world will ever know is a fucking 2008 MX245, and after that, fuck you guys. We don't care. I, and that shit would come to a screeching halt. I home. said that years ago. If if all those manufacturers, engine manufacturers, look, and they put Cat, who was yeah. one of the largest engine manufacturers in the world, yeah, for sure in the United States, but probably the world, you know, they basically said, we're out on the engine thing. If they'd all got together and said, you know what, we're not yeah. doing it. Yeah. You want military vehicles? It either comes with emissions or we ain't selling it. Exactly. You. And I, by any means, I do not want the military to have emissions. No. And there's nothing going to make me matter than somebody sitting in Iraq waiting for his freaking Humvee to regen. I'm exactly. not taking it. Don't take it that way. But once again, what's good for the goose is exactly. good for the gander. If if the American public can't buy it, yeah, you can't buy it either. Yeah. We're not we're not producing any engines anymore. We're not making any new exactly. vehicles. Fuck you all you can, guys. You guys can sit there. You have your old shit. Whatever. Fix yep. it. You got parts. Fix it. I agree. A hundred percent. And I just, I I wish them people would nut up, but they don't give a fuck. They pass the cost on to you and I, and that's just that's just the end of it. But it, I don't I don't know. I 
Where I mean, where's it? You know, before you know, you went to tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four engines. I mean, what's to stop them from getting all the way to fucking tier ten? I mean, where's this going to stop? I, that, you, you think Air Force One has scrubbers on it? You think that thing yeah. has got emissions on it? Exactly. You know? I I would take it much better if John Deere just come out and said, you know, fuck it, we can't get any better than this. So I'm going to charge you for a tier four engine, but you got to pay fucking four thousand dollars more. But you don't have any of the fucking death bullshit. Fuck it, I'll pay the four grand. Yeah. and just keep the shit off of it. Do whatever you want. You're going to spend that money in the long run. Yeah. So take the four grand, plant trees, whatever you think you got to do with it, and just Mm -hmm. leave me out of it. And that way, I don't have to have fucking problems like I had last fall on my YouTube video. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Like, maybe they're trying to outlaw glider semis. Yeah. Exactly. It's ridiculous. You know. Then, then where do you draw a line? Are they going to go retroactive on this stuff? Is your forty twenty going to have to have some sort of right? Wham, bam, fancy muffler and some death yeah. injection and right. some bullshit that won't, probably won't work because right. it doesn't work on the new stuff, so I don't want to make it work on the old stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, uh, who knows? I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, I truthfully wouldn't. I mean, but no. hopefully they got enough foresight to see, okay, there's not enough 4020s in circulation that are doing a bunch of work to I justify. I think you're giving them too much credit. Well, I, I, I don't I think the average, it. there again, there's such a disconnect between what's actually going on and what makes the world go round. Right. And, you know, the day they start putting that stuff on leaf blowers and weed eaters and they won't yeah. start, they won't run, this, that, right. and the other, is the day we lost all sense of. Yeah, you're, you're you know. right. I guess that's one aspect I hadn't thought of. And that goes for any side of the aisle. I mean, don't, you know, I'm not picking on one certain party no. or whatever. I mean, Donald Trump wouldn't know the fucking difference between a 4020 and a 1066. Neither would Joe Biden. That's. No. Reality, they've just never fucking been around it. No, I mean, but I I don't know. It's it's scary as to where it's heading, and that's the kind of bullshit that we don't need. That just adds more cost to the American farmer mm-hmm. on top of the shit that's already going on. And it, it, it adds to the American consumer. Yeah, exactly. Again, all that shit is built into the price somewhere. You're not yep. making it. I'm not making it. But somewhere's making. Exactly. Somebody's making that back. Exactly. You know, the Walmart of the world, and I'm not picking on Walmart. But the Walmart of the world, because let's face it, they're the largest supplier, Walmart and Amazon. Right. That's built into somebody's price somewhere. Exactly. You know, exactly. if you're if you're drinking a can of Mountain Dew, and it costs you a dollar fifty, all those costs are figured into that. Right. You could be buying that for seventy five cents. Right. If that death filter didn't plug in the semi that delivered it. Exactly. Yeah, it's just the way it works. I mean, that, that's that's just the way it is. Yeah. Yep. Speaking of which, do you think? And I always go back to this analogy. I truthfully think that someday when our kids are my age, 40 years old, I think Walmart will be non-existent. I think Amazon will fucking take it over. And I go back to the analogy. If you would have told your grandpa in 1955 that someday Sears will be this broke dick fucking bankrupt company that's out of business, he would have said there ain't no fucking way. They had a catalog two inches thick. You can buy anything from a house to a machine gun. And I, I just think anymore it's going to we're buying it online and well I, I think you're right I mean the online thing is obviously here to stay and and this COVID deal has pushed that tenfold exactly past what it never would have been right two years ago but you know it all depends on if the leaders of that business whether it's Walmart or Deer or whoever if they have foresight on how they adjust you know if they adjust their business shift their business right to the current market trends right. Some businesses, Sears being one of them, like you said, they didn't really change with the times. Right. So, you know, I can remember being just tickled 
pink when I was a kid getting a Sears catalog. Oh, yeah. I got online here right at Christmas time and showed my kids. I just Googled up like 1986 Sears catalog yeah. because I was the same way. Flipped through there and look at them toys, and it was just mind-boggling. It's like, holy shit. And after I scrolled through like one page of my kids' Didn't even know what it was. And like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen yeah. in my life. <laughs> I, I wanted one. They used to sell. No, I never got one. And I'm going to search one out now because you reminded me that I want one. They used to have a plastic Ford engine in the Sears catalog. It was like a five. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was red with the gray. All the yes. gray. I, I know exactly yes. where you have to come on an engine stand and everything. Yes, exactly. Had an engine stand the whole nine yards. Yep. I wanted one of those so bad. But it's like. Well, where am I going to put this plastic engine right. that I don't really need that does exactly. nothing? It does nothing. Exactly. You can turn it over and see stuff move, but right. it, it, it accomplishes no purpose. Yep. It's not socks to keep your feet warm, even though you can't right. put those on. Right. It's not jeans to keep you, you know. It is a plastic engine that provides yep. no value. Yep. And it wasn't super expensive, but back in those days it was. Right. Uh, I always wanted one of those. I circled that every year in this year's catalog. Yep. You know, you're thumbing through all 465 pages. Yep. You know, circling what you think you need, circling what you think you want. Yep. Yep. But they didn't necessarily keep up with the times. And, you know, a lot of that will come down to how they manage all that. You know, right. there'll probably be another pop-up company that will trump Amazon right. in some way, shape, or form. Right. And it'll be some new technology that yep. somebody didn't think of. And, and here you go, bang, here it is, yep. you know. It'll be yep. artificial intelligence. You think about it, it shows up at your door. Yeah, you know? exactly. I mean... So we sub- subscribe to Kevin Van Trump out of Kansas City as our grain marketing guy. And he had a thing way back when. And uh, I can't remember how he worded that, but it was so cool. He said, you know, thinking about where we're at in times today. So your largest uh, transportation company, like talking like taxis, stuff like that, yep. Uber, yep. owns zero vehicles. Yes. You know, your largest um, store, however you want to word that, you know, Amazon don't have a single fucking store anywhere. It's all warehouse. You know, yeah. you don't you don't go into store. And he had like six examples of yeah, shit that right. how things had changed. You know, and it was just fucking mind boggling. Well, I just saw one the other day popped up, and I can't tell you the name of the company. I'm not looking to give them a plug anyway. But it was some deal to do with buying a car. They didn't own any car dealerships, yep. but you're looking for this car. You want to buy it? They get it. They bring it to your house. They drop it off because it's a COVID world. You can't go to the dealership. Can't go in. Yep. So this car just shows up, you hand him a check, bing, bang, boom, done, gone. There's no more going to the dealership right. to buy a car. And I don't think they're super popular yet, but I bet two years from now, we're saying, man, wish I'd have bought some stock in that. Yeah, exactly. You know, like yeah. I said, checker cabs used to be a thing. Oh, absolutely. Uber's basically put them yeah. out of business now. Yep. You know? and, and it's never going to go back the other way. No, I mean, it's not. them days are gone. But I wish I could remember that. I flagged that email. I'd have to go back and look. But he had like six things. And it was so cool because, you know, the largest transportation company has zero t- uh, cars. And yeah. the biggest where, or, you know, retailer has zero stores. And it just went on down the line. Yeah. It was so cool to, to well, see. Well, if you go back on the History Channel's thing, you know, Men Who Built America. You know, at one point in time, if you had anything to do with railroad, yeah, you were, you were a pretty big, Absolutely. pretty big dude. Yep. You had it all. And then now, I just showed my kids today, actually, where the road used to come through here. Yeah. But it doesn't come through here anymore. Yep. You know? Yeah. Times change. Yeah, it does. It's it's crazy. And that and that is where I'm thankful 
that I grew up when I did because, Ooh. and thank God my grandpa was a complete tight ass. And I mean, would fucking put used field cultivator sweeps on a field cultivator. But you know, our big, our combine when I was a kid was a 55 John Deere with a three row head, had a 4,400 gas, a 6,600. And that's what he retired on. But so in a sense, I actually, you know, when I was a kid, we planted with a farm all H and one of them old six, I was at a, I want to say a 694, that was the old John Deere planters with runners, metal boxes, yeah. With the rods and the lids showed you how much seed you had, you know. Yeah. That's what we run when I was a kid. And and I'm glad looking which back then I didn't know any different because that's what we had. But looking back now, I'm really glad that that's where I started to where I'm at now. Yeah. I went from a fifty five John Deere combine to a seven sixty and I'm forty yeah. years old, you know, and that's yeah. so cool to run that all the way to that. And it pisses me off when people Talk about guys my age, oh, you young bucks and don't know shit and this, that, and the other. Well, fuck you. I grew up on that shit. I know exactly what yeah. you're talking about. You know, we farm with absolute fucking junk, and I'm talking shit when you were using 4440s and telling me that I'm a young punk that don't know nothing. I was on a fucking H or a 4010. Yeah. So kiss you. my ass, you know. I hear you. But Our, my, I hate to tell this story because I'm pretty red, but we had a 55 John Deere for a little bit. What a pile of shit. I got to see my dad a lot. I was a real little kid at that time. Like, I was still carpet farming. Yep. And we'd take our trat. It was during the 80s, and there's huge cracks in the ground. I remember losing a matchbox trat. I was playing on the corner of the field because, you know, it took a long time to get a wagon right. load. Right. So I was playing on the corner of the field, and I lost a matchbox tractor down a crack in the dirt because <laughs> the crack was so big and so deep that I was yeah. cruising along. I was, you know, I was carpet farming, but in the dirt, and it fell down, and I was devastated. It was just gone. Right. Right now, there's a nursing home built on top of it. There, it's been developed <laughs> yeah. since then. There's somewhere there. That thing's buried. It's probably gone since then. Yep. Don't find that 200 years from yeah. now. Like, what like, the hell? Who's a dipshit that yeah. put this here? Yeah. <laughs> and somebody said, oh, yeah, that's what the, you used tractors like that when they were mm-hmm. 200 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that thing broke down all the time, so we got to see that a lot. But yeah, it is amazing to see how far. That has come in such a short amount of time. I mean, mechanized farming really hasn't been around that long right. in the grand scheme of the world. Right. You know? And truthfully, if you look at a kid that was born in, let's just say the year 2000 up until now, I mean, sure, they've seen emissions changes and shit like But if you take the cab of an 8400 John Deere, put it on a new 8295 yeah. or whatever, I mean, there's a bigger computer screen, whatever. But as far as shifting the tractor, sure. getting in it with air conditioning, radio, you know all that shit that didn't change so it's funny you bring that up so we we see that a little bit in tractor pulling right so you know training new drivers tough right Right. so like some people have it some people don't but in the older school of things you know you've got a real clutch it's an actual you know friction clutch sure so you get these kids and i'm not knocking the younger generation by any means that's what they grew up with they got a power shift. They might not even push the pedal down. They just fucking get oh, it yeah. to go. Click, yeah, I never click, thought click, that. Click, yeah. They don't have to slip the clutch. Right. They've never been on an 806. The torque was out. Right. And it had, you know, it was missing on one cylinder. Right. And they had, were pulling five, 600 bushel of grain in the mud. Exactly. And they had to slide the clutch to get it going and then try to shift through some shit. Right. To get it into fourth gear to, to, to haul ass. Sure. They never had to do that. Yep. They just click it and go. They never slipped a clutch. They, they have no feel for it. Right. You know, and that, that feel for it is hard to grasp i mean how many kids right now today if we drive to the high school on monday and drop off a 
badass 79 Ford with a 460 and a four-speed. How many kids do you think can drive that? Right. I'm going to go with five. Uh, yeah. It wouldn't mean over. It's not super big, but I'm going to go with five at the most can drive that four-speed. Right. You know, because yeah. they didn't grow up with it. They've exactly. never seen one. You know, rolling in New York City, drop off a five-speed car. They can't drive oh, it. Oh, fuck no. You know? No way. Richard Gere couldn't drive it in Pretty Woman. Out, they ain't got no better. You know, there's less people now that can do it. Can do it then. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's that's just weird. I mean, yeah. And I never really thought about that. Like you say, people get in it. They don't even use the clutch anymore. No, they, they don't just, use the clutch. They, they have no feel for. It. And, and if they are using the pedal, it doesn't. It's it's not a clutch. It's, right. You know, it's a hydraulic valve. Yeah. Exactly. It's electric yeah. to hot rock, and they've never touched it. Yep. Oh, God, I remember them tractors when I was a kid, you know, 4010, whatnot. I mean, it was all I could do to... That's the one I didn't rip the steering wheel clear yeah. on that tractor, because you're pulling on the steering wheel so hard to get the clutch down. Yeah. <laughs> and then trying to reach over here with John Deere's great fucking gear pattern, find the right gear, you know? I'll take anything that moves it forward at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, IH back then had the tilt wheel, and every one of those was floppy. They are. And it was, wasn't floppy because it was necessary portage. It was floppy because you're using it as a handle exactly. to reef the clutch down because the hot rock clutch come out le- later yep. than that, you know? Yep. <laughs> Just the nature of the beast. Yeah. Growing up on the, uh, I don't remember if mine was that way. So we had two 1468s. But I know Dad's 1468 did not have the hydraulic clutch, but it did have the tilt steering. I mean, that, that wheel was wobbly as fuck. But, yeah. I mean, I remember his clutch. It was a bastard yeah, to, push to push down. Yeah. Yep, sure enough. But, yeah, you're right. People jerked on it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give John Deere that. They didn't have hell for stout steering columns, like a 4010, 4020. I mean, you weren't going to wiggle them much. But I don't know. It's... Times have changed. Times have changed. It's a different world, you know. You, you take most of these newer farmers, and I'm going to classify ourselves in the in this mid generation of forgotten people. But you take guys younger than us, and and God bless them. They're you know they're good people. They're good kids. Whatever I'll call them kids because they're younger than me, and so I'm going to do that. But you know, you put them on that old shit, they'll be there the rest of the day. Oh yeah. You know they yeah. they ain't running a puzzle shifter on John Deere. They don't know how a torque works. Yep. And I'm not knocking them for that. They just didn't grow up with yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It's no different than a five-speed pickup truck. You know what I mean? Right. Remember, we, we grew up with four-speeds. When yeah. five-speeds come out, it's like, you got a five-speed? Yeah. Man, are you something. <laughs> yep. You've really got something. Now, you got a five-speed. Then a six-speed come out. And, oh, exactly. we have finally made it. Yep. And then everything went automatic because, well, frankly, people don't want to shift. Right. We'll just click it and go. I mean, you know? you're a Ford guy and keep up with it. Can you buy a manual transmission Ford truck? I don't think so. A new one? I didn't know if you could I don't or think not. So. I had no clue. I just, I ain't seen one for no, I since think, the late I 90s. Think, I don't think you can buy a manual anymore. You know, we're old enough, barely, but barely, where they used to have push button shift. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yep, sure did. And there was a few three on the trees when we were kids. Uh, I, I know just one, curious, uh, you want to drop a car off that can't be stole. Three on the tree. Yep. That thing will set in New York City, yep. downtown, for 10 years. Yep. Nobody ever steal that. I will tell you this. Out. I have never drove a three on the tree, but I've rode with, well, Mike Thompson had one growing up, and there was somebody else, I can't think now who it was, that had one. But I've never drove one, but I've rode in several. I know exactly what it is and how it works. But it, Towards you and downs first, away yep. from you up second, yep. away from you downs third, towards you and up reverse. Yep. Sure enough. Yeah, I've driven a few three on the trees. Not a lot, but a few. <laughs> it it is sad though how you know back then they even the even the trucks were cool. You know the trucks and cars both. I mean the, them late seventies pickup trucks was just some of the most badass looking trucks. You know cars peaked in sixty nine, trucks peaked in seventy nine. Exactly. Yep, I'll agree you know, with that. 
Yep. Now Chevy wrote out the square body to like 2006, but right. But they still look like shit. I think. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, trucks peaked in '79. It, it uh, we didn't really truthfully know how good we had it. Yeah, that's that was something back then. You popped the hood. I mean, you could literally crawl underneath it. And pop, and shut the hood behind you, and yeah. still have room to do whatever yeah. you wanted. I mean, just, you could be in there with a pan running, wasn't gonna get you. Yeah, There's, there was room. Yep, that's crazy. Now that being said, you take a hill with a '79 Ford, '79 Chevy, or whatever with a livestock trailer on, you're like, that's tall. <laughs> Today's yeah. world, you're like, eh, I got this big six seven power stroke, you don't even know it's there. Exactly, exactly. But you could buy like every '79 Ford they made in '79 for right. the same price as the one power stroke. Right. So exactly. That's how much shit's went up, you know. Yep. So, well, we've struck a big nerve on all of the local, I don't know what you'd call it, the politics, the cover crops, the carbon sequestration. I mean, we've hit about every topic under the sun, and we're like way long into this episode. So we're going to have to knock this in the head right here. Um, I don't know. We probably had too much beer tonight, but we're still kicking but anyway we're glad you guys tuned in we hope you guys like the new podcast we're doing here um like i say nick's going to be probably on virtually every episode we're going to have so uh, be sure and leave your comments below we're having a great time doing this if there's anything you guys want to hear want to change whatever be sure and let us know but until next time we're going to end this right here until next time you guys keep on keeping on and we will see you guys later